Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Elhamdülillah. Ve salatu ve selamu ala Resulullah. Ve ala alihi ve sahbihi ve ala. Esselamu aleyküm ve rahmetullahi ve barakatuhu. We continue inşallah today in, uh, in this session uh, to read together the Mathnavi al-Arabi Nuri of uh, Ustaz Badi al-Zaman Nursi. Uh, we are doing a line-by-line exegesis uh, of the text. And it is this book, which is uh, a collection of Arabic uh, letters, uh, letters written in Arabic by Ustaz Badiya Zaman Nursi, in which he calls at one place in, uh, in the Mathnawi uh, the incubator or the, uh, the uh, seedbed of the Rasail uh, Nur, which is the extensive letters um, of guidance and uh, spiritual uh, enlightenment that uh, Ustad has written and which have been translated into several languages. We began uh, the last two sessions reading the Matnul Arabi Nur itself and we began with the introduction of the author in which he explains uh, his journey from what he calls the stage of Sa'id al-Qadim, the old Sa'id, uh, into the stage of Sa'id al-Jadid or the new Sa'id. Um, the Sahih that has been transformed by the Quran into a, uh, a, uh, a creature who reads the signs of Allah Azzawajal in his creation uh, as guidance to him. And we spoke uh, during the last session regarding the balance between the heart and the mind and we talked about the intellect as an activity of the heart and we also talked about um, the expression of various scholars. So, uh, inshallah, we shall, uh, we shall continue the reading. He says, and this is page 48 of this printing of the Rasai, which is the compact edition of Suzler. فَحَمْدَ لِلَّهِ عَلَىٰ أَنْ مُفِقَ عَلَىٰ جَمْعِ الطَّرِيقَةِ مَعَ الْحَقِيقَةِ Praise be to Allah Azzawajal, in that Sa'id Al-Qadim uh, has been able to combine and last time we spoke about the distinctions between Tariqa and Haqiqa and Sharia and we said that it is really the same process insofar as one is seeking Allah Azza wa Jal, he is following a particular methodology or Tariqa insofar as that methodology is guided by Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam that very process is Sharia and in that path to Allah that person sees disclosures or has access to uh, disclosures of the truth, uh, which is the haqiqah. So really there is no distinction between the three. And we said that it is actually uh, an essential teaching of uh, Sunni, tasawwuf uh, and, and uh, approach to, to the spiritual life in not uh, seeing any distinction between sharia, haqiqah and tariqah and seeing them as really dimensions of, of a single process. So there can be no seeking of the truth without Sharia, and there can be no uh, true Sharia without an inner dimension uh, that is uh, called Tariqa. Uh, and these uh, inner and outer dimensions lead to disclosure, disclosures or the receiving of disclosures of the truth, which we call Haqiqa. So it's really one process, inshallah. <laughs> This combining of the uh, way or the path or the tariqah with the haqiqah, which is the truth or the disclosures, has actually happened. This fusion of these dimensions has happened before the Quran wa Shadi, meaning through the 
uh, emanation of the Quran and its guidance. And this is a very important doctrine in the teachings of Badir uh, Zaman Nursi. He sees the Quran as a, as a unifier of all these various dimensions and uh, sees the Quran as the, as the guide uh, to, to a proper uh, spiritual life in which uh, the outer and inner dimensions are combined with the dimension of the seeking of guidance from Allah Azza and as we have mentioned last time, no, no uh, reaching of Allah is, is possible without being uh, pulled towards Allah Azza as the uh, Sheikh Ibn Atallah secondary says, ما كان مريد إلا وكان مراد. You cannot seek unless you are sought by Allah Azzawajal. And this seeking of Allah Azzawajal, of, uh, uh, of his creatures, happens through pulling them towards him, uh, Azzawajal, through, through the phenomenon of, of prophecy, the activity of, of, of prophecy through the uh, uh, Anbiya and, of course, Khatim al-Anbiya al-Mursaleen Sayyidina Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa and we said in the, in the last sessions, we talked about the importance of humility and meekness of heart in order to be able to have the right receptivity for the divine, divine guidance. So the Shaykh says, Alhamdulillahi ala al-mufiqa ala jam'i tariqati ma'al haqiqa bifayd al-Qur'an wa irshadihi hatta bayyana bi rasail al-Nur allati allafaha sa'id al-Jadid haqiqat wa fi kulli shay'in lahu ayatun tadullu ala annahu wahidu. So he says, through this uh, Quranic uh, unification and guidance of these various dimensions of the spiritual life, the Rasail al-Nur that were authored by the new Sa'id, Sa'id al-Jadid, have been able to explicate or explain the truth of this uh, famous line of poetry which says, In everything he has an ayah, or sign or, uh, or uh, uh, pointer تَدُلُّ عَلَىٰ أَنَّهُ وَاحِدٌ that points to the fact that he is one and this is of course a, uh, a, a line of poetry uh, uh, that's quite uh, uh, old it is uh, often attributed to Abi Al-Atahiyya with some other uh, also attributions and it's a very important one it says that in everything there is a sign that signifies that he is one. And uh, in, in some cases, some people think that poetic, uh, poetic lines like this or uh, expressions similar to this uh, point to something which is called Wihdat al Wujud, which is a kind of unification of being. And uh, if I may take a few moments to explain about this doctrine and the uh, uh, proper way of understanding such lines. Uh, it is extremely important to begin with the, uh, <coughs> the uh, presupposition that any mixing of the creature with his creation is kufr mm -hmm. and is haram. So any doctrine that uh, leads to the mixing up of the crea creator with the created, the khaliq with the makhluq is kufr and is haram. And any interpretation of any Sufi doctrine that reads Tasawuf as saying that is a false, either a false interpretation or a false doctrine in the first place. Uh, any Shaykh of the famous Mashaykh of, of Tasawuf who says anything that uh, may lead to that kind of understanding, we must understand and interpret his utterance 
not to mean the mixing of the khalaq with the makhluq. Ustad Badir Zaman al-Rasi rahmatullahi alayhi is a, uh, is a uh, very, very uh, uh, orthodox Sunni. He follows the proper aqidah of al-Sada al-Ashairah and the Maturidiyah and the Ahl al-Hadith and uh, what we call Ahl al-Sunnah al-Jama'ah. And at no point in all of his letters is there any mixing of the khalq with the makhluq. And at no point is there any uh, doctrine of wahdat al-wujud in that shirki or kufri way of understanding wahdat al-wujud. The way we must understand such expressions is to, and, and it's, a, it's a, I think a useful way to make this distinction, is to talk of wahdat al-ijad. Badi'a Zaman Nursi rahmatullah as in many of our shiukh, when they, speak, when they speak about unity in the universe or in the cosmos, they mean wahdat al-ijad, as in everything is pointing to the unity of the creativity behind it. And of course, the wahdat al-ijad Leads to, uh, leads to an understanding and uh, to a, an appreciation of wahdat al-mujid so that it is a form of tawheed to see all these creatures and to understand that there is a unified creativity which leads to an understanding that Allah the creator is one it is in this Sunni way of understanding science that Badi'a Zaman al-Nursi uh, is, is, uh, is walking. This is the, the proper path of understanding the unity that we see before us. You must be absolutely careful in seeing the unity in the creation, not to think that Allah Azza in any way is implicated in his creation or is mixed up with his creation. That is kufr bu'ah. You cannot, uh, that, that will take you out of the Ahlul Sunnah or Jama'ah line. It is incredibly important to remember that when we are talking about the unity in the creation, we are talking about the unity of the creativity or the style of creating that points to a single creator, Allah Azza wa Jal. So it is Him that we unify, not that we unify Him with His creatures. This is extremely important to, to remember. I, and forgive me for dwelling upon this because now you go to the bookshops and you find some books on Sufism and to solve and some of some people unfortunately contemporary authors they make it like new age religiosity with a, a, a kind of pantheistic mixing of the creator with the creation this is total haram okay and uh, understand this unity that we see as a unity in creativity and ijad okay not wujud okay pointing to the singularity and the oneness of the Mujid so that he is one creator because we see a kind of consistency in the creativity that we see before us and this is extremely important in understanding ayat as Ustad Badi'a Zaman Nursi says in other places following the great tradition when you, what you see in the world is the athar okay? the athar, the traces and when you see the athar they point you to the Af'al. Uh, you are seeing behind these traces, you are seeing the activity, the divine activity that results in these traces. And when you look at these Af'al, they, they point to and, and uh, bring you closer to the Asma. Uh, 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 okay? And these Asma, these divine names, that uh, are pointed to, point you to the sifat, 
of Allah Azza wa and the sifat pointed to the that of Allah Azza wa No human being can ever approach the that. Okay, we cannot understand or comprehend the that. Uh, the the maximum comprehension of the that is to fail to comprehend it. So that al-ajz al-idrak, idrak, because you cannot, the human mind cannot possibly understand the that. And what we know of Allah Azza wa Jal is what Allah Azza wa Jal has explained to us through Wahi, through the Quran Kareem. And that is why we must, when talking about Him Azza wa Jal, we must use the terminology that He Himself has disclosed to us through Sayyidina Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam through the Quran Kareem, because it is only Him that can teach us how to speak of Him, so that we do not end up philosophizing and mixing ourselves up or mixing Allah Azza wa Jal with His creatures or creation, which is uh, haram. Uh, Imam uh, Ahmed Mujadidi Sirhindi in the Maktubat also makes a similar point, but he doesn't so much talk about the Ijad and the Mujid. He talks about Wihdat al-Shuhud rather than Wihdat al-Wujud in saying that many, many uh, people mistake the Wihdat al-Shuhud for Wihdat al-Wujud, meaning the unification that is in experience or the unity of experience or witnessing is mixed up and people think that it is a, a, a unification of being, meaning the, the if, for example, you there is a big neon sign and it is quite detailed and you keep walking towards the neon sign, you are reading all the details of the neon sign and you are reading the details, reading the details and you get closer and closer. When you get very close, the brightness of the lights may give you the sensation of a single light. Okay, so that your experience okay, gives you a, 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 an existential witnessing of, of unity of this light. Uh, it is a huge mistake to think that that experience is the unity of the being that is before you. Okay, so what uh, Ustad Ahmed Sirindi Mujadidi uh, tries to explain in the Maktubat is that the Sa'ir ila Allah Azza wa often makes mistakes because of, of the mistake of um, mixing the experience, the existential personal experience for that which is before you, the being that is before you. And the best way to avoid such confusion is the Sharia, is the Quran and the Sunnah. And if you remember some simple principles that you must always bear in mind, that in Islam, in the Aqeedah of Sunnah Jama'ah, it is forbidden, it is absolute haram to mix the creature with the created. Uh, sorry, the, uh, the the creator with the created, or the creature with his creator, the khaliq with the makhluk. Just bear that in mind. And also bear in mind that it is not possible to, to, uh, to, to, to say or to think or to believe that the uh, creator becomes in any way the created or is inherent in the created or is uh, in any way imminent in the created, that is called hulul. Okay? The first doctrine is called the tihad, and the second doctrine is called hulul. And it is an up absolute presupposition for the tasawwuf of Ahlul Sunnah and Jama'ah that the tihad and hulul are haram. Okay? Just bear this in mind. So if anybody tells you that, oh, he's a great Sufi Sheikh and he's teaching you tihad or hulul, you must understand that they are actually mubtadi' and that they should not be followed. Okay? So extremely important. This is not uh, what I'm trying to tell you is not my opinion. 
This is the doctrine of Badir Zaman Nursi, but all the great Sufis of, 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 of the Ummah, Abdul Qadir Jailani, Sayyid Abdul Qadir Jailani, Rahmatullah Alayhi, Sayyid Ahmed Rifai, Rahmatullah Alayhi, Sayyid Badawi, Sayyid Dusuki, Sayyid Shadri, Sayyid Mawlana Jalal Din Rumi, all Sayyid Ahmed Sirhindi Mujaddidi, the Naqshabandis, Sayyid Mu'in Din Shishti, none of these great scholars ever mixes the creator with the created. Now, what about the the doctrine of Mansur al Halaj when he says Anna al Haq, there is consensus among, amongst the Mashaykh that it was wrong for him to say that. Mm -hmm. the, uh, the, uh, if you want to see the position of a typical uh, great scholar on this, you can read uh, Sayyid Ahmed al-Rifai in al-Burhan al-Mu'ayyad and what he says about that. The, uh, I, I do not want to uh, judge uh, Abu al-Mansur al-Hallaj himself, rahmatullahi alayhi wa ghafarallah, but I can uh, safely judge that utterance, that way, that utterance of, of, uh, of uh, uh, saying, Ana al-Haq, I am the true, um, as, as definitely a kufri saying. And uh, it was the consensus of the uh, of the Mashaykh of his time, the uh, fuqaha, that that is haram. And it is incredibly important to avoid such language. Mm -hmm. It is true that some uh, Mashaykh in, in what's called shat, in states of, uh, of what, what you may want to call uh, disclosure, imbalance, uh, uh, existential states that are, that are very strange, may utter certain things. Uh, but our criterion is the Sharia. Whatever is mukharif with Sharia should not be said. And uh, some mashayikh make uh, exceptions and excuses by saying that they are in a state of insanity in a way, because this is not a sane state. So it is like a majnoon, you know, or a crazed person, so that they are not uh, punished for what they say. However, it is uh, a requirement of the Muslim to keep their aql and not to go outside the fold of the Sharia. That is why for us drinking is haram and, and hashish is haram because aql is something to be cherished. So uh, it is actually a very disturbing uh, phenomenon that some beginners in the in tasawwuf uh, go directly to such very strange sayings and, and make them so important in tasawwuf. The tasawwuf of Badir Zaman and Nursi and all the orthodox turuq is not about that. It is a tasawwuf of, of obedience to the uh, decrees of, of the sharia, a, a tasawwuf of the following of the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, a tasawwuf that sees the greatest karama huh, as istiqama or, or uh, rectitude of ways. So as they say, a'adamu uh, karama sidqul istiqama. It is the greatest of, of uh, uh, miraculous uh, uh, states is the state of uh, a proper uh, and, and, uh, and sincere rectitude. So it's extremely important to avoid such utterances. Mm -hmm. uh, Imam uh, Ahmed Rifai in the Burhan Mu'ayyad is a great, great Sufi uh, Sheikh says that uh, Sayyid al-Hallaj uh, uh, was wrong to say that. Uh, and uh, he explains the reasons. I don't want to get into it, but it's extremely important to avoid such utterances.
and utterances that are, are attributed to Sayyid al-Bastami and others uh, in, from which an understanding can be gathered that maybe there is some mixing. There is no mixing. And Hulul um, al-Itihad is haram. This is the ijma' uh, of, of, the, of, the, of the Sufis of all the great Sufis of the Ummah. I just want to say this, uh, and sorry for maybe uh, deliberating something that is so obvious, but maybe some of our younger just because something that I struggle with in my life and no. maybe you could benefit and correct my aqidah if, if it's wrong um, because I really struggled with um, uh, al-haq of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and then I thought um, then I cannot belittle my Rasul al-Muhammadiyya so how I understood this issue of and of haqiqah is without belittling my Lord, or belittling my Prophet, or belittling any of his creation was um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the creator and everything else if we say he is Allah and everything else is Batal, not Batal isn't bad but he's, everything else is created I, the distinction is he is creator, <coughs> infinite and we are finite, we are created. That's how I rationalized it in my mind. Okay, there is a hadith sharif. I don't remember the exact phrasing, but the word that's being used there is al haq not al al haq You see, once you have the ayat al ta'rif al al haq is only Allah al haq But there is, uh, of course, Allah creates realities, and each one of these realities is haq you know, Jannatu Haq, Naru Haq, Rasulullah Sallallahu Haq, but none of these realities is Al Haq. Yeah. So if Allah said, Ana Haq, okay, as in my, 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 my being is real, okay, we are not illusions, of course there are realities. However, the mistake was to say, Ana Al Haq. So if it is proper what was reported about what he said, that's definitely a, a Muharram utterance, you cannot say that. Okay, even Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, who is khayrul khala'ik, you know, the best of all creatures, would never dare say that. As a matter of fact, the Ahl Sufiya uh, understand fully what Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says when, when, when Sayyidah Aisha asked him, why do you stand in prayer all night until your, your feet are, are, are swollen when Allah has forgiven you for ma taqaddam bikum that is forgiven you everything and he says afala akunu abdan shakura so uh, shouldn't i be a, a, a grateful uh, servant abd okay and the greatest maqam in the tasawwuf of ahl sunnah wal jama'ah is the maqam of al abd okay is is and, and al abd al mahd the true, the most real Abd that ever was and will be is Sayyidina Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So we emulate him, we follow him in his Ubudiyya in order to glorify Allah Azza wa Jal uh, as he should be glorified. And even Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says, Subhanaka ma'abadnaka haqqa ibadati. We have not fulfilled the, the, what, you know, your, your worthiness of worship. We have not, because no matter how hard we try, it is, it is impossible to worship Allah Azza wa Jal as He should be absolutely worshipped. Yeah, and then Rasulullah Sallallahu who is the, the best example, the best, the very paradigm of the worshipper says that. So, 
our abudiyah is always malkusa, you know, it's always incomplete. We are trying always to improve it. But the highest maqam is not fana or baqa or, or, uh, or kashf or uh, mah or sah, as, as many of these terminologies are in the books of, of, uh, of tasawuf. That all of the great shiuch say that after all these maqamat, the highest maqam is the maqam of abudiyah to worship Allah Azza wa Jal. And to worship Allah Azza wa Jal not as, as you desire, but as He asks you to worship Him. And how does He ask you to worship Him? He asks you to worship Him through the following of Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So it is ittiba' or the following of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is, 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 is required in approaching Allah Azza wa Jal. So if you get some uh, claimant of, of tasawuf, somebody who says that he's a Sufi, and who says that, oh, I love Allah, and Allah loves me, and I don't need to pray, and I don't need to fast, that is Dhal Mudil. He is uh, not only misguided, but asks other for mis uh, to be misguided. It is said of Sayyidi Abdul Qadir Jailani that he once saw a great light in the countryside, and the voice told him, oh, Abdul Qadir, you have been such a great worshiper, you don't need to pray anymore. And he told him, go away, ya shaitan. Go away, O devil, because how did he know that he was the devil? Because Allah Azza wa Jal لا يأمر بالفحشاء لا يأمر بالمنكر ولا يأمر بمخالفة الشريعة Allah Azza wa Jal would never command you to, to uh, 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 disagree in any way or to uh, uh, in any way uh, disobey his own rules and it is there is no contradiction between ittiba' and mahabba as a matter of fact the, the very proof of mahabba is ittiba' You cannot say that you love Allah and Rasulullah and, and then say that I don't want to follow. So obedience is a, is a, is a fulfillment of love and is a, is a verification and a validation of love. That is why it is extremely important because there are many misconceptions about the soul nowadays with lots of popular books that seem to imply that you have some sort of a, like a new age kind of uh, love doctrine okay with no uh, requirement of of ittiba and that is why the sufiya should be amongst the the most dedicated to ittiba and should be amongst the most dedicated to tasannun following the sunnah of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam so I, I explain all these things simply to avoid misunderstandings because when shaykh badi zaman uh, nursi says wa fi kulli shay'in lahu ayatun tadullu ala annahu wahidun means that in everything we see a sign that points to his creativity and the unity of the creativity points to the one who created everything, Allah Azza wa Jal. Not eminent in his creation, but having created all that we see. We're okay? Second point. And he's speaking about the uh, old Sa'id. His journey, siyaha is like a, a journey, okay? لَقَدْ كَانَ فِي سِيَحَتِهِ وَسُلُوكِهِ ذَلِكَ السُلُوكِ فِي تِلْكَ الْمَقَامَاتِ سَاعِيًا بِالْقَلْبِ تَحْتَ نَظَارَةِ الْعَقِلِ As he was taking this journey and this path, this, this uh, walking on the way, the suluk from salaka to, to walk through a, a, a path, uh, as he was doing this and was Passing by the maqamat. What are the maqamat? Maqamat are like stages. If you're going from here to Abu Dhabi, you will be passing by signs that says uh, Abu Dhabi 20, uh, sorry, 100 
kilometers Abu Dhabi, 90 kilometers Abu Dhabi. These are maqamat, okay, on the way. So as you are walking on the suluk, the stages in which you pass are called the, the maqamat. As he was doing this, سَاعِيًا بِالْقَلْبِ تَحْتَ نَظَارَةِ الْعَقْلِ He was seeking Allah through the qalb, but always under the watchfulness of the intellect. Okay, so it was not just an emotional longing for Allah Azza wa Jal, not just an emotional path to Allah Azza wa Jal, not just an emotional uh, longing or seeking of Allah Azza wa Jal, but one that is always mindful, that is always with the intellect. You know, the, in, the, uh, in the literature on Tasawuf, sometimes they make the distinction between uh, sukr and sahr, okay? Being a, a drunk and being awake. And sure enough, in, in, as, you are, as you're living your spiritual life, you may feel at times spiritually intoxicated. You may feel a little bit disoriented. You may feel emotionally over, over uh, abundant. You may feel almost emotionally imbalanced. But it is extremely important to maintain sah, to maintain wakefulness, and to understand that aql, okay, that your mind and that sah, your wakefulness and your watchfulness is a gift from Allah Azza wa Jal, which you must cherish. Okay, it is true that sometimes you may fall into states where you're not feeling so completely alert and, and awakened, but you must not dwell into these stages. You must not worship these emotional highs that you may get. And you must always remember that what, that which you seek is still ahead of you, so that you are not stopped on the way. As Sayyidi Ahmed Sirhindi Mujaddid, he says in the Maktubah, he says, on the way, you may get thrown some bananas and some almonds. He calls it mouse wa jawzat tariq, okay? And bananas and almonds of the way. And some of these may seem very attractive. They seem, they may <coughs> seem like karaman. If you get fixated on them and you lose the path, then they become istidraj billah. So you must understand that anything that is khariqa lil'ada, that is uh, beyond habit or, or breaks no normality, okay? If you get intoxicated with it and get fixated on it, whereby you are losing your diligence in your seeking of Allah Azza wa Jal, it is no longer something positive, it becomes something negative. It is like some scholars and sages were saying, it is like being on a, on a, on a journey in a ship, and you stop by a, an island, and you're supposed to take some, some water and some food from the island to continue the journey. And you like the food so much on the island, and you like the perils that you find and maybe some nice trees and so on and you start playing and the ship goes and you and you're forgotten on the island so the way to allah azza wa the end of this way is is the divine disclosure the mushahadat al-bari azza wa jal fil jannah okay which is extremely important and ahl sunnah wal jama'ah khilafan lil mu'tazila okay unlike the mu'tazilites and some other schools of uh, of uh, of islam we believe in the in the Ru'yat al-Bari' Azza wa Jal Yawm al-Qiyamah. It is part of the Aqeedah, the Maturidiyya, the Ash'ira, and the Ahl al-Hadith that we do see Allah Azza wa Jal on the Day of Judgment or, or, or in, the, in the Akhirah in a way that is befitting of His being, Azza wa Jal. So it's not, we're not, we're not seeing in a, in a mundane or worldly way, but in a way that's befitting 
uh, of Allah Azza wa Jal. This is extremely important. So what we are seeking is this divine disclosure in the Akhirah. And by the way, if I may just divert a little bit, some uh, in, in some Sufi poetry, and uh, poetry, you must understand, always has an element of exaggeration, especially Arabic poetry. In Arabic poetry, exaggeration is, is, a, is a mode of, of rhetoric. You must not take these exaggerations literally. In some poems of, of some Sufis, you get this notion that, oh, the servants worship you because they fear uh, your, your, uh, your hell, nar, and uh, lovers, uh, or, or the, uh, and the worshippers uh, worship you because they seek your Jannah or, or heaven, but I seek you because I love you. You know, you must understand that it is a religious requirement in Islam to avoid Jahannam and to seek Jannah. So a Sufi must not scoff at Jannah for a very simple reason. The place where you see Allah Azza wa Qiyamah, where Mushahada happens, and here I say I use place figuratively, is Jannah. So saying, I want to see him because I love him, but I don't want Jannah is a contradiction in terms. This is like, like wanting to go and you know, this is by, by way of explaining or making it closer. This is like somebody saying, I want to see a particular movie, but I don't want to go to the movie theater. Okay? So, if you don't want Jannah, you can't possibly see Allah Azza wa Okay? So, don't scoff at Jannah. Because Rasulullah sallallahu was asking Allah Azza wa for Jannah. You must follow him in asking for Jannah. And do not scoff at Nar. Do not say, oh, I'm not fearful of Nar. I worship him not because I don't have fear. You must fear Nar or hell. Okay, because Rasulullah sallallahu himself feared it, even though he is ma'soom sallallahu and prayed to be saved from it. So you must pray for Jannah, you must pray for, for al-i'adah min al-nar, for avoiding nar, and you must seek Allah azza wa jal, and, and, and ru'yat al-bari azza wa jal, as al-sunnah jama'ah say, and because you seek that, you want the suhbah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam jannah with the sahaba, tabi'een, 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 bihsan al-lawmideen, so that you can fulfill that great fulfillment of, of, of al-mushahada al-wajhi al-kareem al-zawjal. So I just want to point this out because this is another Sufi doctrine that sometimes is misunderstood. So when Rabi'a al-Adawiyya rahmatullahi alayhi said that she's seeking him, seeking him because she loves him, she doesn't mean to scoff at Jannah. She seeks him in Jannah, of course. So never scoff at anything that Rasulullah sallallahu asks for. And never neglect anything that Rasulullah sallallahu seeks or, or uh, tells you not to neglect. So this is a very important, and sometimes I'm sorry if I'm, I'm saying obvious things at times, but sometimes we forget. And, and I remind myself of these things because I've seen uh, and this is a very sad spectacle. I have seen some people who claim that they're great Sufis and they're into Tasawwuf, and I find, them, I find them mixing the, the Creator with the created and, and, and saying that they don't worship because they seek Jannah or that they, they, they don't fear hell but they just love. And some people say that they love and they don't need to pray because they are with Allah all the time. So these are Talbisat. These are, are delusions of Shaitan and Ayyadu Billah. Talbis Iblis as they say.
Okay, so you must be very careful of these things, and you must understand that your guide in Tasawwuf is Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, as uh, Sayyid Muhammad bin Ali Sunusi, the great founder of the Sunusiyah and the student of Sayyid Ahmad ibn Idris rahmatullah alayhi says, "At-Talaiqu bi'adadi anfasil khalaiq." The ways to Allah are as many as the breaths that we take. In every breath, there is a way. Okay, and it's also bi'adadi nufus al-khalaiq, as as many. Uh, souls as uh, 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 there are as many ways as there are souls also. يقول الطرائق بعدد فصل الخلاق وكلها ترجع محمدية. But they all go to back to Sayyidina Muhammad صلى الله عليه وسلم. So you must understand that التباه is the very core of تصوف. Okay, you cannot have تصوف without التباه. Following رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم. So the Sheikh is saying رحمة الله عليه لقد كان في سياحته وسلوكه ذلك السلوك في تلك المقامات ساعيا بالقلب تحت نظرة العقل. So in his way to Allah عز وجل, as he was passing through these stages, he was seeking through the heart, but under the guidance of the mind or intellect or the عقل. وبالعقل في حماية القلب. And he was protecting the قلب through the mind or the intellect, so that emotions don't lead you to the wrong places. Okay, so al-aql is a gift from Allah Azza wa Jal. Imam Muhasibi calls it al-aql anillah. Okay, al-aql anillah, to intellect from Allah Azza wa Jal. And that is a protection of the heart from emotions that may mislead you. Kal Imam al-Ghazali, just as in the case of Imam al-Ghazali, rahmatullahi alayhi. And Imam al-Ghazali, as you know, is a great, great sage and scholar of Islam. His main book on uh, on these matters is Ihya Ulum al-Din, which is in four volumes. And uh, if you want to an introduction to Ghazali, the way to read Imam Ghazali, rahmatullahi alayhi, by for those who want to study him, you begin with a small letter which is called Ayyuha al-Walad al-Muhib, which is very very tiny. You can read it in one sitting, okay? But it's the key. And then you can read Al-Munkid min al-Dalal, wal-Musil izzati wal-Jalal, which is his autobiography in which he explains how he progressed. And then you can read Kitab al-Ilm, which is the first chapter of the Hiya. And then that will open, inshallah, the way for other or other things. And then I would suggest as you jump to the Rub al-Muhlikat, which is the table of all the things that will uh, mislead you. Things like envy, hatred, greed, okay, the Su'l Akhlaq. And then the Kitab al-Munjiyat, Rub al-Munjiyat, which is all the good virtues. In my case, I'm still stuck in the muhlikat because I can't get rid of, of them yet. So, inshallah, I'm sure there are some great sages among, amongst you who have the, all the munjiyat. But some people say that if you just focus on not falling in the muhlikat, then inshallah, you will have najat. And it's the, the, there are many ways of pursuing uh, this, uh, this very tough path. The uh, Imam Khawas, rahmatullah alayhi, who was the teacher of uh, Imam Sha'rani, rahmatullah alayhi, uh, when he was asked by his student, Sha'rani, he told him, give me three ways that are conducive to reaching Allah Azza wa Jal in these end of times. He was already saying that in his time, where, where there's so much haram. And uh, Imam Khawas said, there are three sure ways. One is kathratul istighfar. Do a lot of istighfar because istighfar is always accepted even if you're in the midst of sin. 
you must ask always for istighfar. And kathrat salah ala Sayyidina Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Many uh, expressions of praise for Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And when you do salah ala Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, remember that you're not doing him a favor, you're doing yourself a favor. This is very important. And that you are accepted because of him, because he is so accepted to Allah azza wa jal. So that you are connected somehow with him and you have a kind of uh, belongingness to him. And, and the mashayikh say al-mahsub, al uh, sorry, al-mansub, mahsub. Meaning if you have nisbah, if you have this connectivity, then you are counted. So by saying salah ala Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, you are emphasizing that you are min ummatihi, that you enter into his communion. And this community or communion, okay, is acceptable because of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam asking his creator, ummati, ummati. So kathrat salah ala Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam gives you that entry into the community and communion of the very man who is so acceptable to Allah azza wa jal. So that's a gateway to Allah Azza wa That is why the Mashaykh say that in the absence of a Shaykh to guide you, Akthir min salah ala Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, do a lot of salah ala Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, so he becomes your guide. Okay. So istighfar, salah ala Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and the third one, which is extremely important that we often forget, Imam Khawas says, dua al-Muslim li akhihi al-Muslim. Pray for each other, because uh, that is a key. The key is to pray to Allah, to ask Allah with a tongue that you have not used to sin against Him. And that's impossible because every day I sin with this tongue. I say false things, I maybe talk about somebody. So how can I pray with a clean tongue? And it's very simple. If you pray for me, okay, your tongue is pure of my sins. Okay? And vice versa. So. Your prayer for me, because it's so pure in, uh, in, uh, purely intended, you have no maslaha, as they say, no uh, self, no business, no self-fulfillment uh, for you to pray for me. You have nothing, there is nothing in it for you, you know? But because there is nothing in it for you, it has the secret of acceptance in Islam, which is ikhlas, sincerity, purity. That is the essence of Islam is ikhlas. That is why قُلُوا اللَّهُ أَحَدٌ اللَّهُ الصَّمَدٌ لَمْ يَلِدُ وَلَمْ يُولَدُ وَلَمْ يَكُنْ لَهُ كُفُوًا أَحَدٌ is called Surah Al-Ikhlas Ikhlas is so important in Islam إِنَّمَا الْأَعْمَالُ بِالنِّيَاتِ وَلِكُلِّ مْرِئِمَّا نَوَى Actions are constituted by intentionality and to each that which he intends So because there is Ikhlas in your prayer for me in your dua for me Inshallah it is fulfilled So it's uh, these three things, especially in these difficult times where there's so much haram in what we eat, haram in what we see, haram in what we hear. These three things are incredibly important. Istighfar, salah ala Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. You say Darun Sharif in order is it Darun Sharif? And then, and then dua uh, al-Muslim, the akhi al-Muslim, praying for each other. So um, the Shaykh says, Kal Imam al-Ghazali. And I was saying how we should read Ghazali, okay? And that's just useful advice. Maybe other people can read him differently, but I, at least I find that that is a, a good way of reading Imam Ghazali. Well, Imam al-Rabbani. Imam al-Rabbani, طبعا, is uh, Ahmed Sir Hindi Mujaddidi, rahmatullahi alayhi. 
and he is the, in the great Sanad of the of the Naqshbandi Tariqa, the Tariqa of the Khawajagan, which the Silsila of the Naqshbandis goes back to Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu And most other Turuq, uh, their Silsila goes back to Sayyidina Ali ibn Abi Talib radiallahu And that is why the Silsila that goes back to Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq of the Naqshbandis is called Al-Dhikr Al-Khafi. It is, it is the inner or hidden uh, dhikr or remembrance of Allah Azza wa Jal. Just as the character of Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq was a quiet way. He was, he was, he was not a, uh, it's an introvert way. Okay, it's an inner way. And most of the other asanid of the turuq like the shadiriya, the qadriya, rifa'iya, badawiya go back to Sayyidina Ali ibn Abi Talib. And that is the Jahri uh, way, the dhikr uh, which is extrovert or jahr. And, and uh, of course, the great shiukh like Sayyidi Badi'a Zaman Nursi, you will find in various parts of the Rasail al-Nur, they combine the khafi uh, and the, and the jahri. So, and, and that is actually the, the, if you look at the Quran uh, and the Sunnah, you're supposed to, to have both. And, and that is why it is, a, it is a, a great thing to combine both. Imam Rabbani Ali, has a great book in two volumes, which is called Al-Maktubat. Uh, and uh, I think it was written originally in Farsi and translated into various languages, including Arabic and Turkish. And it's a great two volumes. It's difficult to read though, uh, at times, and it's best to read his Risala on Al-Mabda Al-Ma'ad. Which, uh, which talks about uh, the beginnings and the, and the ends. And, uh, and then from that Risala, uh, he has various maktubat that talk about the tariq. You read those first, and then that opens up the other maktubat for you, inshallah. But one of the keys that we often forget when we read books is the key of Fatiha. Like I never teach any book or read any book without reading the Fatiha for the author. I, 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 I did not announce it to you, but maybe we should do it together. Let us read the Fatiha for the for the Ruh Sayyidi Badi' al So when you're reading the books of Imam Rabbani or Imam Bazali or any author for that matter, always start with the with the Fatiha. So it's extremely important. And it's a key because it is that respect for the for the author and that feeling that he is your teacher and that you are appreciating what he has given you as a gift. You are in a way doing shukr or gratitude, and shukr is the key to to giving. If if I if you give me something and I say thank you very nicely, you are very likely to give me more. But if you give me something and I am ungrateful, I never say thank you. You'll be unlikely to give me anything anymore. Shukr and Ata are correlated. The more shukr you do, the more gratitude you express, the more you get. So even when you have the book, somebody who's taken the trouble, someone like Imam Ghazali, he lived in a mi'dana, in the, in the prayer uh, tower, uh, and, and, and uh, for 10 years, writing Ihya Ulum al-Din. So when he gives you 10 years of his life, of total dedication, he was fasting and, and praying and writing, and he gives you this gift. The least you can do is one Fatiha for his, uh, for his soul. Let us read the Fatiha for Imam Ghazali, Imam Rabbani, Jalal Rumi, and all the Mashaykh of Islam, 
and of course for Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam Muhammad So these prayers are actually an exegetical key, and this may sound very strange. Some people think what they call hermeneutics or the methodology of understanding or exegesis is about uh, just cognitive things or epistemic things or, or tools like language and so on. No, there are many keys that have nothing to do with language or with, with, uh, with uh, cognitive or thinking. For example, if you are giving sadaqah, okay? If you, have, if you put your hand on the head of, a, of an orphan, if you are kind to even a cat, you will find that Allah Azza wa Jal will open up knowledge for you that would not be otherwise opened. It is extremely important to know that in Islam there is a direct correlation between generosity, giving, kindness, compassion, and ilm. That is because for us, ilm is itself a gift from Allah Azza wa Jal. Ar-Rahman allam al-Qur'an. Notice the connection between Rahman, Rahman, and the Ta'lim al-Qur'an. Okay? Notice that, uh, you know, when you think about it, it's kind of strange. You have piety and you get knowledge. This connection between piety and knowledge, goodness and knowledge, you know, some people think that knowledge is just about memorization or about knowing all the skills of, of, of linguistics and so on. It's not. Uh, uh, it's extremely important. Of course, you have to have the equipment. You do have to read the, the languages. You have to have the skills. But it's incredibly important to understand that things like goodness and compassion and also things like reading the Fatiha for the author and feeling grateful for the author, you will get a lot of things from the, from the, from the gifts. As a matter of fact, it's very strange. If you are reading the text what, what, they call, uh, what they call in Arabic with the eye of being critical, okay, you will get very little of it. You will get an ego boost. You'll be finding mistakes on every page and you will feel very great about yourself because now you've proven Ghazali wrong. And there are many books written about how Ghazali is very weak in hadith. <laughs> These ignoroids don't know that Imam Ghazali is using hadith ba'if deliberately at times because in the, uh, in the things like the fadail al-a'mal, the use of hadith ba'if is actually allowed. Okay? You're not supposed to use hadith ba'if for fiqh, for ahkam, but for fadail al-a'mal, it is perfectly allowed. And none of the a'imma of the ummah refrained from using hadith ba'if, especially when the hadith ba'if has many other hadith ba'ifah maybe, and sometimes hasana, that actually consolidated or, or supported so that it actually has a, a, a sahih ma'na, a correct uh, meaning, and is supported by many other things. So it may be ضعيف in itself, just as the string in a fabric is, is weak, but is strong when combined with other strings in the fabric. So Imam Ghazali, rahmatullahi alayhi, knew what he was doing. If you want to know more about this, you should read the commentary of Imam Zabidi in, the, uh, in, the, uh, in his Sharh of Ihya Ulum al so oftentimes you find these so-called scholars who exercise what we call qillat al-adab, okay? lack of, of, uh, of uh, etiquette, with the great shuyukh of the ummah. Wallahi, I, I, you know, what I find most disturbing is this phenomenon, and this is a 20th century phenomenon, by the way. I mean, even their so-called 
Maraja never did that in the past. It's a, it's a very modern phenomenon. This phenomenon of being impolite and, and quite rude about the great scholars of the Ummah. So you find some guy who's writing now, like a book, and he has no hesitation to say bad things about Imam Subki, Imam Al-Ash'ari, Imam Al-Ghazali, Imam Fakhr Razi, Rahmatullahi I once encountered such a person and they said, I asked him, you know when you wrong a, a person on the Day of Judgment, you have to stand up before him, you know, like he will, he will, عند الله. he will actually ask for his right in front of Allah Azza wa Jal, okay, in, in the Day of Judgment. I mean, imagine how that, uh, that's why I have a beloved friend and uh, he, he did something wrong and he said, don't forgive me. I said, I'm not going to forgive you. <laughs> and he said, why? I said, because on the day of judgment, I need to see you and it's very crowded, you know, <laughs> crowded. So that way they will bring you. <laughs> I was just joking. May Allah forgive us and uh, forgive all our friends. But the, uh, what I'm trying to say is imagine yourself coming on the day of judgment and having as your khasm, you know, the people against you in that court, Imam Al-Ash'ari, Imam Al-Ghazali, Imam Al-Juwaini, Imam Al-Subki. I mean, this is the jur'ah, the daring of these people is, is amazing. How can you? That is why even with your khusum, even when you don't like what the other person is saying, the adab of Islam is a requirement. Allah Azza wa himself instructed us not to call the idols of the idol worshippers names so that they would not call Allah names. Okay? Imagine, so if you have a, 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 somebody who's against you in doctrine, make sure that you're never impolite, that you never uh, go into, into, um, into the mode of, of ihtiqar, you know, of looking down upon, okay? So may Allah forgive these, uh, these, uh, these people, but I, I find it quite disturbing as a phenomenon, and we must not fall into it ourselves. So may they forgive me, I, may Allah forgive me, I, I called them, uh, did I, I think I used idiot, that was not a, a good thing to say. So I, I fall into that myself. We, we all make mistakes. You know? So we have to have the, the lijam al-sharia. You know the lijam of the horse is the, uh, what you put in the horse's mouth? Reins. Huh? The reins. Yeah? The sharia must always be the rein on the, on the, on the mouth. Okay? Because the nafs is like a horse that tries to jump and what's important is that you always pull it back do a lot of istighfar so the shaykh says لَقَدْ كَانَ فِي سِيَاحَتِهِ وَسُلُوكِهِ ذَلِكَ السُلُوكِ فِي تِلْكَ الْمَقَامَةِ سَاعِيًا بِالْقَلْبِ تَحْتَ نَظَارَةِ الْعَقْلِ so in his path in his search he was uh, seeking Allah through the heart through the guidance or the watchfulness or the oversight as they say now in in, uh, in uh, management theory the oversight of the aql فِي حِمَايَةِ الْقَلْبِ and the aql or the intellect was protecting the heart. Just as Imam al-Ghazali and Imam al-Rabbani, and I explained a bit about uh, Shaykh Ahmed Sirhindi Mujaddidi rahmatullahi Many of the turuq of, of India and Pakistan, and also in Turkey through the Khalidiyya and Naqshbandiyya go back to Imam al-Rabbani. Wajalaluddin al-Rumi rahmatullahi jami. And Jalaluddin al-Rumi Mawlana, the, the, the famous uh, sage and, and, uh, and scholar of uh, Konya, and uh, the author of the Mathnu al-Arabi al-Nuri. Uh, sorry, of the Mathnu. <laughs> now, this is the Mathnu al-Arabi al-Nuri, which is written in emulation of that name. Uh, he is less known to the Arab world than to the Persian and to the Turkish world. 
but uh, alhamdulillah it's been translated into Arabic as, and in English has a great following in uh, many people read uh, Mawlana Rumi and as a matter of fact many people come to Islam through Rumi Rahmatullah فَبَادَرَ إِلَىٰ ذِمَارِ جِرَاحَاتِ قَلْبِهِ وَرُوحِهِ So because he was walking, uh, or, or sorry, walking the path or seeking Allah Azza wa Jal through this heart that is guided by the, by the intellect as well and, and guarded by the intellect, he um, sought to heal the wounds of his heart and his soul. And the notion of jirahat or wounds in uh, Ustad Badir Zaman Nursi is extremely important. He had a miserable life when it comes to the externality of life and a wonderful life when it comes to the inter internal aspects of life. And he, he witnessed the, the, uh, the, uh, the uh, very painful experiences of World War I and he experienced what it means to be wounded and he was uh, imprisoned in a, in a war, uh, in a prisoner's uh, camp in Russia and he's seen the wounded and he knows what, what it means to seek healing for the wounds. This is like an image which is coming from his direct experience in the trenches of World War I. Okay? And he recognized that the Muslim Ummah at the collective level and Muslims at the personal level have a lot of wounds. This is a very important thing because if you believe that you are healthy and that everything's okay, you can be quite arrogant. I oftentimes liken our conditions today as to the conditions of somebody who's been hit by a car. He has shock, has concussions, some broken bones, maybe even some amnesia. Okay? And it is incredibly important as a condition of healing to recognize that you are wounded. This is very important. Sometimes people have a car accident and they get what they call whiplash and they don't go to the hospital. Sometimes they even die. Sometimes they have internal bleeding. Why they die? Because they don't recognize that they're injured. So the number one condition of Islam, of mending, the number one condition of healing, the number one condition of improving our ways is to recognize that we have problems, that we are wounded that we have issues and to be frank with ourselves, to be self-critical and to recognize the condition in which we are. We are not in a perfect state, we have a lot of problems. If there is one thing, one key for the Rasail al-Nur that's incredibly important to remember, it is to remember that they are written by a man who knows that he is wounded, that his community is wounded, and who is trying to find the medicines for these wounds. The Rasail al-Nur are like a pharmacy, as Sheikh Badi'a Zaman Nursi says in another place. They are like a pharmacy that are with medicines that are geared towards fixing ailments. Fixing, for example, doubt in the Akhirah. Fixing, for example, uh, intoxication with materiality and material things. Fixing, for example, ignorance. Fixing, for example, uh, wavering in Iman or in, in faith, fixing, for example, cynicism, you know, and, and, uh, and uh, you know, I was telling a friend of mine just today that if you read the Aqeedah of Umar al-Nasafi, this is the famous Aqeedah al-Nasafiyyah, which is explicated and 
under which there is a great exegesis by Imam Taftazani, Sharh Taftazani, ala al-Nasafiya. And in the very end, uh, Imam Nasafi tries to list the what would bring somebody outside the, the pale of religion. Okay? What, what are the causes of kufr? And he has a beautiful sentence that says, وَلْيَأْسُوا مِنْ رَحْمَةِ اللَّهِ كُفْرٌ okay? To despair of the compassion of Allah Azzawajal, the mercy of Allah Azzawajal, is kufr, is infidelity. This is extremely important. You must understand that cynicism and despair and depression is actually anti-Islamic. It is anti-Muhammadan, okay? It's not a khuluq Muhammad. Allahumma salli wa sallim ala Rasulillah. Sayyidina Muhammad Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he was stoned, he was sworn at, he was accused, he was abused, he was driven out of his home. Amazing. Allahumma salli wa sallim wa barik ala Sayyidina Muhammad. If you look at your life and you consider, make a listing of all the hardships that you faced and go to the kutub of Sirah, the books of the biography of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, you will find that there isn't a single affliction that you had that, is, that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam did not experience. Some people, they, you know, some Sufis especially, they are seeking al-wirath al-Muhammadiyya. They want to have this ilm al-ladunni and the light from Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and so on. They want to see Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in their, in their visions at night and so on. And they forget that al-wirath al-Muhammadiyya comes as a full package. Meaning, you cannot have Wiratha Muhammadiyah without also inheriting the afflictions. That is why the awliya of this ummah are always afflicted just as Rasulullah was afflicted. There isn't a single one of them that was not called a magician or a liar or this and that. There isn't a single one of them that was not beaten up or stoned or, or punished in some way. There isn't. And this is, by the way, not just the great Sufi Shuyukh. Anybody who has a sir al-wiratha of Sayyidina Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, including the wiratha al-fiqhiyyah, Imam Malik was beaten up. Imam Ahmed bin Hanbal was beaten up. Imam Shafi'i, Imam Abu Hanifa. None of them lived a comfortable life without any afflictions. You cannot. Because if you are a warith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and nobody can be a complete warith, of course. It has to be one like dimensions or or measures of, of wiratha. You, you will always find wiratha of other things. That is why uh, it is incredibly bad to think that, oh, because you are seeking walaya through following the Sufi, Sufi path, that you must have it easy. On the contrary, if you have reached any level of walaya or mahabba, open your gateways because you're going to get a lot of Imtihan, fitna, you're going to get a lot of ikhtibar, uh, you're going to get a lot of testing, you're going to get a lot of grilling. And you must deal with that which comes to you. If it is bust or, 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 or good things, uh, uh, states of, of, uh, of happiness, you must do shukr, you must have gratitude. And if it is qabr, so these are states of austerity and difficulty and darkness, then you must have sabr. Okay? And that is why, and that is patience, endurance. So Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says that the mu'min is always fi khayr. In hurima or in u'tiya, sorry, in u'tiya shakar. Wa in hurima sabr. Aw kama qal sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. I'm not, I have a very bad memory, so.
فورجيف مي اتس نوت اذا صبرت السراء شكر فكان خيرا لك وان صبرت الضراء صبر فكان يا سلام بارك الله انت بلغت عن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم اند ذات از ا جريت جيفت تو سي سمثينج تو كونفي سمثينج ايفن وان حديث about Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam has said is a great gift, so thank you very much. That is why the Sufiya uh, should, should be great hadith scholars. But I unfortunately, like in my case, I find many mutasawwifa who uh, are very weak in hadith. We should be the strongest in hadith. Because what are we saying? We are saying that the follow, we are the lovers and followers of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. If you love someone, you love what they say. You know, even if it's your father or mother, or wife or even child, you love even sometimes your child makes a mistake in the way they say a word and you even like their mistake. So they find you find it kind of charming the way they say a mistake. So if we love Rasulullah وسلم, we should love Al-Bukhari or Muslim or Muatta, we should read the hadith. And now as we approach the Mawlid Sharif we must try to celebrate the Mawlid, not just to reading the Mawalid, which is a great thing. I, I, I encourage everyone to read the Mawalid. I believe it's a great celebration and a great joy in Rasulullah because we are commanded in the Quran to, to be happy uh, 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 with the Rahmah of, of, of Allah Azza wa Jal. And what better Rahmah of Allah Azza wa Jal than Rasulullah So it is actually, we're instructed in the Quran to be happy and joyful with Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. But we must also express this joy in, in the readings of his ahadith, in the, uh, in the learning of the fiqh, so that we can, we can fulfill our duties in a proper manner, in a way that is uh, uh, beloved to him. Sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi wa sahbihi wa sallam taslim kathir. So Bani Izzaman al-Nursi rahmatullahi alayhi recognizes that we have wounds. Okay? فبادر إلى ضمان جراحات قلبه وروحه. So he rushed to try to heal the man is like to actually put the gauze on the wound. جراحات قلبه the wounds of his heart and soul. وخلص نفسه من الوساوس والأوهام. And he saved himself or 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 pulled himself out of وساوس وأوهام. الوساوس والأوهام. Waswasa in Arabic is, a, is one of those words where the meaning is close to the sound. Mm-hmm. So when somebody whispers, you, you hear okay? This, this is from where you get waswasa. That is why the shaitan is called al-waswas al-khannas. Okay? So he's called waswas because he whispers. He seldomly tells you clearly. Because if you recognize that it is shaitan, it would not be so effective. Huh? But he whispers. And the way he whispers is through two, two phenomena. Indirect approach. So he comes to you indirectly. Okay? And secondly, gradual approach. Just as the hunter hunts the, the prey. If you look at a cat trying to catch a small insect or a mouse or a lion, how it hunts, they, they creep up on you, you know, they creep up very slowly, okay? Sometimes taking an indirect route, and then you get a leap. So the waswas comes like that. And it is very difficult to recognize it as it is happening. But there are many ways of avoiding waswas. And one of 
the most important ways is to go to the pharmacy of the Quran uh, Al-Kareem. And in the pharmacy of the Quran Al-Kareem, you will find the Mu'awwidatayn, and that is why Rasulullah asks that we read them every day and, and, and every night especially because they, they protect you from this waswasa. Another way of avoiding waswasa is to have people who tell you good things rather than bad things. And these people are of two types, living people and dead people. The living people are suhba saliha, like this suhba. If I come here, I, I even though I am quite bad, I have to speak about good things. And I cannot exhibit any of my, my bad behaviors because of the goodness of the company in which I am sitting. And as the Mashaikh say, as-suhba sabbara, meaning the companionship will die, will like, you know, just as, as, as you put, you put a, 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 a shirt in blue dye to make it blue. Okay, sabra, okay. So they say suhba sabbara. It actually, how do you say in, in, in English? It actually dies, dies or stains. Stains. Yeah. So it is like you put your white shirt by mistake with the red shirt of your son, and all your clothing is pink. Okay. So when you are with people, somehow there is osmosis of their characters. So if you want to avoid waswas, hang around people who have the opposite of waswas, who actually tell you good things if they're living. And if you don't have such living people around you, then go to the dead people through books. Okay? Mm -hmm. So that if you have the suhbah of Imam Ghazali or the suhbah of Sayyid Abdul Qadir Jailani or the suhbah of one of the great fuqaha or usuliyun of this, of this deen, then you are benefiting from all these people. One, of, one beautiful thing about our, our mashayikh is that they have all tried to give us the sadaqat, the, the, the uh, good things that last. And as you, as you know, when, when a person dies, his, he can no longer act. He cannot collect good deeds. But there are things that keep on collecting. And one of them is al-ilm al-nafi, is knowledge that is beneficial. So that imagine somebody like the author of Muhtasar ibn Abi Jamra of al-Hadith. This book is written many, like, a, hundred, like a, a few hundred years ago, and yet it is read almost every day in much of North Africa and much of, of, of African, uh, the, uh, uh, amongst African Muslim communities. Imagine the, the barakah that this sheikh is getting, you know, from all these thousands upon thousands. Imam Ustad Badi'a Zaman Nursi Rahmatullah Alayh, look at how many people are re reading Rasail Nur and benefiting. As we read today and we benefit from his book, he's getting hasanat. So there is nothing better than, than, than this kind of deed. Just as for those who cannot fulfill knowledge or, or pursue knowledge to, to build a school or to build a mosque or to dig a well, you know? Sometimes it's amazing like how many doors of khairat or good deeds are open and how we, little we pay attention to them. Sometimes, you know, we oftentimes, especially if you're well off, if you are a banker or a lawyer and we have a few of these in the room, you know? For you, you know, it's nothing to spend a night at a hotel, maybe through business travel or something for a thousand dollars or five hundred dollars or something, you know? Imagine what you can do. A thousand dollars you can dig away in Bangladesh or in Africa or, in, you know? Sometimes, you know, people buy a gift for a wife or, or, a, or a daughter that's tens of thousands of dollars, you know? Where you can actually build a school. 
for that much. And if you really want to give that daughter or wife or, or mother, sometimes you say to her, you know, look, what if I build a school in your name, in this little village in, in, in this remote African country or Asian country? Imagine the sadaqat. The, our ancestors, our, our salaf, okay, understood this. And the awqaf, you know, this trust or, or waqf was a, an institution that has so much goodness. Alhamdulillah, in my last visit to Turkey, I, I, was, uh, I had the honor of, of, uh, of uh, not only listening to a, a dars, but also giving a dars in a madrasa that was endowed by the mother of Sultan Muhammad Fatih. Okay? This, this woman, Rahmatullah alayha, look at it's been, what, 500, 600 years, you know? And she's benefiting, alhamdulillah, from, from this waqf. These awqaf are so important. And one of the most destructive things that happened in the history of this ummah was when secular governments began to jump on the awqaf to destroy them. And when you destroy the waqf, you do two things. You destroy, for, of course, the, the continuity of, of that original waqf. You know, Allah Azza wa Jal, of course, will not, inshallah, deprive them of, of potential benefits. But you basically disrupt the goodness. But also, you remove the independence of religious scholars. So they become employees of the government. And that is a very dangerous phenomenon because they, they, beca they begin to work as employees and in many cases, not in all, lose their witnessing function, their shahada. Because they're supposed to be shuhada ala hadi al you know? They're supposed to be able to say the truth. So look at how much damage is done. In, our, in my own country, in Libya, one of the most, uh, uh, Gaddafi had many policies, but one of the most destructive policies was the destruction of the awqaf. And the, and the monopolization of the waqf and, and the squandering of waqf money so that none of the religious madaris or schools that used to, for many hundreds of years, teach, uh, was able to continue to fulfill its function. So we have a whole generation of people who, are, who do not know their deen properly without proper religious uh, scholarship. And then people ask, why are they, uh, you know, mistakes? Why is there radicalization? Why is there misunderstanding of religion? Well, because the, you know, I once had this weird experience in Germany. I gave a lecture at Marburg University. And I remember this lady stood up and was saying, you know, all the shiukh of, of, uh, of, uh, of Turkey and the Ottoman Empire, they were this and that, and how come they're not renewing the, and re-articulating Islam in a way that can uh, live in, in today's world? And I was saying, look, you are blaming these scholars for not doing this, while you yourself belong to the very same school that destroyed the entire infrastructure of scholarship. So people say, you know, why is Al-Azhar not uh, fulfilling its role, why is Al-Qarawiyin or why is Zaytuna? Look carefully at, at what happened to the Awqaf and look carefully at the intrusion of governments into the controlling of the, of the, of the scholarship and you will begin to see why we are in such a dire uh, situation. That is why I was so happy to see in Turkey, Alhamdulillah, revival of the Awqaf, the return of the Waqf of uh, Sultan Muhammad Al-Fatih, and the establishment of a university with that waqf, this waqf of uh, Walid al-Sultan, this 
many awqaf are, are alhamdulillah now being renewed and the awqaf that the that the uh, Nursi movement has generated uh, the awqaf that many Muslims alhamdulillah are, are creating in not only in Turkey but in other countries and and uh, and and that's a it's an uplifting thing to see that and you can see already the benefits in the printing in the teaching in the scholarships this is very very important so we go back to the text فبادر إلى ضماد جراحة قلبه وروحه وخلص نفسه من الوسواس والأوهام. So I was saying that to get rid of wiswas you need to have sohba, okay, companionship with the living and with the dead through their books. And I was saying that the scholars left us all these books from which they still benefit, okay. But also you must remember that this the key to sohba is mahabba, okay. The key to sohba is mahabba, meaning you can read a thousand books and not benefit if you don't love the authors of these books, if you don't love what they're about. And you can sit with a thousand great, pure awliya and not benefit because you don't have the mahabba of these awliya. These. So the key to benefit from companionship, it's not about proximity. It's not about proximity. It's not about sitting in the same room. It's about sitting in the same domain of love. Al-mar'u ma'a man ahab, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says. Which means ma'iyya, okay? Ma'iyya, which is togetherness, is through mahabba, through love. Al-mar'u ma'a man ahab. A person is with whom or with whomever he loves. This togetherness is extremely important. That is why it is not sufficient just to take the book and read it. It is, you actually are required Okay, for you to benefit, to actually love the author and appreciate and, and remember how hard he worked or she worked for you to benefit and to be grateful. These attitudes are very important for benefiting. Very, very important. And that's how you get rid of Wiswas. The other thing that he says he got rid of is Awham. Awham is to actually mistake something which is not real for reality. So if you're walking in the desert, and you see what you think is water, a mirage, okay, and you go to it and there is no water, that is wahm, okay? That is a delusion. How do you get rid of delusions? The same way you check against being deluded by mirage, cross-checking, asking others. If you are walking alone in the desert and the sun is hitting your head very hard and there is nobody to correct you, it is very easy to make mistakes. However, if you are with a group and you're helping each other, one will correct the others. That is why Rasulullah says that you must avoid aloneness because don't be like the sheep that is by itself because the wolf eats the sheep that is by itself. So companionship is very important. It is true that our shuyukh teach khalwa that you, you must be alone sometimes to, to do dhikr. But notice, they always have shurut al-khalwa. There are conditions for khalwa. And it's always done in a proper manner following a certain methodology and there is always some sort of sohbah or guidance associated with it. Because if you're just by yourself, it is very easy to be misguided. So we must cross-check what they call validation, cross-checking, so that we can correct ourselves and get rid of these awham. So the Sheikh says, وَخَلَّصَ نَفْسَهُ مِنَ الْوَسْوَاسِ وَالْأَوْهَامِ وَبِخَلَاصِهِ مِنْهَا 
انقلب سعيد القديم إلى سعيد الجديد. And as he got rid of these whisperings and these delusions, he became transformed from the old Saeed into the new Saeed. And the new Saeed wrote, فألف بالعربية, he authored in Arabic, ما هو بحكم المثنوي الشريف, that which has the same stature of the Mathnawi Sharif, he means the old Mathnawi of Mawlana Jalaluddin al-Rumi, الذي هو أصلا بالفارسية. Which was written originally in Persian. What did he author? He authored several letters. رسائل عدة في أوجز العبارات using very brief terminology. وكلما سنحت له الفرصة أقدم على طبعها. And whenever he he managed, whenever there was a chance, he uh, tried to print it or print the letters. And he lists some of these letters. قطرة which means droplet. Hubab, which means like a, a small uh, droplet of ice. Habba, which is like a seed. Zahra, which is like a flower. Darra, which is like the thing that you see in the light. You know, these small dust speck. Shamma, which is like the sniff of, of, uh, of uh, perfume that you get from a flower. Shu'la, which is, which is like a, a, a flare. Okay, a flare, a piece of flame. ودروس أخرى and other lessons مع رسالتين بالتركية and he wrote two letters in Turkish وهما لمعات which are flashes ونقطة point so these letters are collected in the مثنى العربي النوري and they have these titles and inshallah if Allah gives us long life and we do manage to get to the rest of the مثنى العربي النوري we will be able to inshallah look at these titles again وبين ذلك المسلك well, sorry, وبين ذلك المسلك and he clarified or explicated that path في غضون نصف قرن من من الزمان. He spent half a century explicating all of this في رسائل النور. So what he's trying to tell you is he captured these main ideas just as he emerged out of his delusional and and his uh, whispering state and he became purified just as he came out of this bad state, he wrote these summaries. So they are like abstracts. They are like outlines. And then he took 50 years to explicate these outlines in the Rasail al-Nuri. So what you are finding in the Matna al-Arab al-Nuri are basically the programs, the, the, uh, the schema, or, or in, in schema is plural, the, the, the uh, sorry, singular, the plural in Latin, schemata. So he writes the schemata, okay, the plural of the schemes, the paradigms, okay, of what happens in the Rasail uh, al So this is why, the, this is why this book is very important. It's because it's like reading the index of the Rasail al It is like reading the seedbed from which the trees of Rasail al grew over 50 years. Of course, when you read the Rasail, it's much easier because now you see the big tree in its full-fledged uh, articulation. And what you are seeing here are seeds. So sometimes the sentences are very difficult. <coughs> but it is extremely important because it is like reading the plans of an author. It, it will enable you to understand the Rasail al-Nur in a much better way. And, and also, it will help you to pull together the Rasail al-Nur. So if you've been reading the Rasail over the last 20 years or so, this book will help you to
pull the Rasail together to understand the rationale behind them, to understand how they came to be, okay, and to understand what their author planned them to be like. Okay. So he's saying that I've spent half a century, min zaman of time, fi Rasail al-Nur. So I wrote Rasail al-Nur in half a century. These Rasail al-Nur, okay, did not limit themselves into the resistance of the ego and the and the shaitan or the devil. بل أصبحت شبيهة بمجموعة كلية واسعة من المثنوي تنقذ الحيارة المحتاجين. It became like a collection, a, or a totality or a collection that is quite broad of many mathnawis. So each seed became a tree in a sense. So you have like many mathnawis, fully articulated mathnawis that save al-hayara, those who are bewildered, who are confused, al-muhtajin, who are in need. That is why I believe that somebody is very healthy, there is no need for them to read Rasail in Noor. Okay? <laughs> but if somebody is very sick like myself, very ill, very injured, very confused, very, uh, very much in need of help, then Rasail Noor are very much an, an incredibly important pharmacy and the healer of, of these wounds. تنقذ الحيارة المحتاجين وتنتشل المنسقين إلى الضلالة and it pulls out those who are tending towards misguidance من أهل الفلسفة of the people of philosophy. And I am sure that people who like philosophy will object and say, but not all philosophy is bad. I, I, I studied philosophy, my PhD was in philosophy. And I can, I can testify that there are many aspects of philosophy that are very good and very important. However, the falsafa that the Sheikh means here, and this is not just my interpretation or, or, or wish fulfillment, but this is what you get from what he says about falsafa in many other places, is the falsafa al-hadiyya maddiyya, the philosophy that is, uh, 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 how do you say, that is a philosophy of infidelity and, and atheism and of carnal materiality that denies spiritual things. And we can summarize the, this type of philosophy in, in its misguidance using a very old typology or uh, taxonomy or classification, which was given by Imam Taftazani, rahmatullahi alayhi. He's a great uh, scholar of Kalam. He wrote a, uh, a commentary on Nasafiyya, as I was mentioning earlier. In the, in the Aqidah Nasafiyya of Umar al-Nasafi, Umar al-Nasafi begins the book like this. حقائق الأشياء ثابتة والعلم بها متحقق خلافاً للسفسطائية Which means the truth or reality of things are constant, are constant, are real. والعلم بها متحقق And knowing them is possible is actually actualized or can be, okay? In defiance of or in response to the sophists, okay? And then Taftazani, in the commentary, says the sufsataiyya are of three types. Sophists are, are bad philosophers. They're not real philosophers. If you mean by philosophers, seekers, seekers of the truth, they were people who falsify things. And even Plato 
has great replies to them, of course, to the Sophists, and Aristotle replies to the Sophists. But the Taftazani says that the Sophists are of three types. Which means, very difficult to translate, from the Arabic, for me. Okay? From the Arabic, which means stubborn. And لا أدرية from the Arabic لا no أدري to know so I don't know okay how do you classify these things and and actually if you look at modern philosophy there are lots of these types of philosophers there are people who say that there is no truth for me it's like this and for you it's like that and for him it's like this they call this in, in contemporary language relativism okay so there is no truth there is no constancy they say. And there is an abundance of relativists in this in this in this world today. These are the India. The India say no knowledge is possible. There is no knowledge. Okay? And these are called in, in contemporary times skeptics. Okay? Sometimes they're called uh, uh, atheists if you if you believe if it's talking about knowledge of God, okay, of Allah Azza. So these are like skeptics. And the third type is La Adriya. These people say, we don't know. Maybe there is truth, maybe there is no truth. These are called agnostics in, in contemporary ter terms. What Ustad Badi Zaman Nursi is saying, he is saying that these Rasail offer a cure to these people who misguide us through this kind of relativizing skepticism or agnosticism and he has answers to all these three schools in the Rasail al-Nur and in the Mathnam al-Arabi nuri and inshallah may Allah give us the enough life to be able to benefit from the Rasail al-Mathnam al-Arabi nuri and the Rasail nur and to seek him Azza wa Jal through the guidance of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and his warrath okay al-Ulama warathat al-Anbiya the, the, the scholars of this of this ummah are the custodians and the heirs of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi through their ilm and one of these great ulama is Badi'u Zaman Nursi rahmatullahi alayhi may Allah Azza wa reward him for the benefit we got from his book and may Allah reward you for honoring me with your presence and your sahbah aqulu qawli hadha wa astaghfirullaha li wa lakum wa likafati al-muslimin wa la hawla wa la quwata illa billahi al-alihi al-azim la hadrat al-mustafa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam fi mawlidi al-sharif اللهم صل وسلم وبارك على رسول الله الفاتحة سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المسلمين الحمد لله رب العالمين